In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. There are so many different gospel songs that I can think of off the top of my head that talk about crossing over the Jordan River. There's When I Cross Over. There's Far Side Banks of Jordan. There's I'll Cross Over, If God Loves Me Like I Love You. There's Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, Coming For to Carry Me Home. But whether it is Alison Krauss or Johnny Cash or some other lesser-known gospel singer, most of these songs focus on just one of the meanings of crossing the Jordan River. They look at Jordan as a boundary between this life and the next, and they all long to escape over the river into the land of paradise and rest, to the place where their loved ones have already passed. But this meaning is not the primary meaning of the message of Joshua 3, where we see the second generation of Israelites that were brought out of Egypt, crossing the Jordan into the promised land after wandering in the desert for 40 years. The Jordan River is not a means of escape for them. No, for them, it is an impossibly impassable river that God commands them to pass over. And the particular place where the Israelites passed over was um, closer to the Dead Sea than to the Sea of Galilee. And as the Jordan flowed down that deep rift valley, it dropped in elevation. It descended, causing the water to, of course, flow more quickly, more rapidly. There was white water. And then in addition, Joshua tells us in verse 15 that the people crossed over during the harvest season when the spring rains had caused the river to overflow its banks. Perhaps the whole canyon was full of water right up to its edges. We don't know, but we know that it was impossible for them to pass over the Jordan on their own. When confronted with the impossible, God tells the Israelites that he will do a wonder that will cause them to put their trust in their new leader because God is with their new leader, Joshua, just like he was with their old leader, Moses. And he tells them, God tells them that they will know for sure that God is with them, Emmanuel, and that God will deliver them from future foes even as he was about to deliver them from the treacherous waters of the Jordan. And then he does it. The Ark of the Covenant stands in the middle of the river, the tangible sign of God's presence in the midst of his people, his holiness despite their unholiness. There, right in the midst, the Ark is the means by which the waters are held back, held back in a heap, It is as though God himself is standing there, holding back the waters to let the people pass through. When I think of this image in my mind, I can't help but refer back to one of my favorite books. And I sort of have to apologize, although someone said no apology necessary, because I have my my imagination has so been characterized by the Lord of the Rings. Thank goodness that the author was a Christian. Well, in the first 
book of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the fellowship of the ring, the nine travelers have had to travel down into this mountain um, to go under the earth in order to get to where they're going. And as they go down deeper, they end up encountering these evil foes. And finally, as they're about to escape out of the mountain, as they're fleeing for their lives, they run into the one foe that they know they cannot defeat. And they're about to cross this chasm, this bottomless chasm. The exit is on the other side, and there's a tiny, narrow bridge crossing the chasm. Their leader, Gandalf, steps out on the bridge to contend with this pursuing foe. He says, you shall not pass. He tells his friends to keep moving, to keep going, to leave him behind, to cross over the bridge to safety, even while he holds back their enemy. Well, like this, God held back the waters of the Jordan, standing in the middle of them so that his people, Israel, would be safe and so that they could enter into the blessings that he had promised them. So what then does Joshua 3 mean for us? Well, for us, the Jordan River refers to three things. First, the River Jordan is the impassable, impossible river of sin that laps at our toes. The rushing water that we cannot seem to keep our feet out of no matter how we try. We each have sin in our lives, not just outwardly in the things that we say and do, in the ways that we treat others um, as not as good as ourselves, the way we um, put ourselves first. We sin inwardly. We sin because of the pride and the unbelief that rots away inside of us. And when we acknowledge this, when we come to the very edge of this deep river, Honestly, we all too often would like to deal with it ourselves without involving God or without confessing our sin or repenting of it in front of others. We think to ourselves, it's not so bad. Not so bad as that person, at least. Or we delude ourselves, saying, I've got this under control. I'll get across this river. I will build a bridge. My good deeds will outweigh my sins. As our colleague said today, um, perhaps I can live virtuously. I can live the godly life on my own, and then that will outweigh my sin, and God will accept me on my terms. We would like that, wouldn't we? We would like to build our own bridge across the river of our sin. Well, when we approach our sin with this mentality, what we are essentially saying is that we would rather stay in the wilderness where we think that we are Lord um, instead of entering the promised land where Jesus is Lord. We would rather sulk on the near side of the river if God will not let us pass over on our own merit. We'd rather sulk on the near side than trust God's work in Jesus Christ to trust that God's work in him is sufficient to atone for our sin. And so for those of us trying to build our own bridge or pouting on the riverbank, the words of the gospel song by Charles Naylor are directed towards us. Dust thy soul ransomed from Egypt, yet in the wilderness stay. Canaan's fair land is before thee. 
cross over Jordan today. Look, O my brother, Canaan, the land of the blessed, lies now before thee. Haste to the place of thy rest. Secondly, we find ourselves on the brink of an impassable, impossible river when we face in this life some kind of hardship or suffering that we just cannot get through. We might be walking through a devastating illness or we might find ourselves in a pit of loneliness that we cannot climb out of. We might hear repeatedly silence from God instead of the answers to our prayers that we desperately need. We feel weak. We are tired. We cannot deal with it. And we cannot imagine a way out of it. And so when we find ourselves on the brink of this river, we ask God, why is this happening to me? We are overwhelmed by the flood and we feel carried away in a torrent of sorrow. Well, when the woes and the troubles of this life crash around us, the crossing of the Jordan and the words of the hymn by John Keith should echo in our hearts. When through the deep waters I call thee to go, the rivers of woe shall not thee overflow. For I shall be with thee, thy troubles to bless, and sanctify to thee thy deepest distress. Third, we face the impossible, impassable river in this life when we face the thought or the reality of our own death. It might be our death, or it could be the death of a loved one that terrifies us most. But we still, we think with dread of the loss. What if there is nothing on the other side? What if we get to the other side and our loved ones are not waiting for us? What if in death we find out that we are not chosen? We are not good enough. What happens when we meet our maker face to face? Well, when we fear death, when we see it not with escapist's eyes, but with the sobering knowledge that we will soon stand before our holy God, then these gospel lyrics written by Marvin Morrow are for us. There's the day coming, and this we all know. We'll have to cross old Jordan as we leave this world below, but we can leave it shouting, singing the victory song. Oh, the bridge that was built at Calvary to cross Old Jordan on. Oh, the bridge was built there at Calvary that we can cross over Jordan upon. So each one of us faces the impossible, impassable Jordan when we face our own sin, our suffering, and death. But we look back to Calvary and we remember the waters of baptism provide a tangible reminder of this truth. Saints are not the virtuous or the perfect. Saints are those who cross over the waters of Jordan on the bridge of the cross. We claim for ourselves and for our children today the saving wonder of the cross. We pass over Jordan as we are baptized because we trust that God has shielded us from the waters of judgment, the devil, 
in hell. Jesus, God has held back the waters of judgment that threatened to drown us, just like he held back the raging waters of the Jordan that would have destroyed the people of Israel. Because Jesus has held those crashing waters of judgment back. We haste, haste now in this life to rest in his work rather to strive than striving in our own works. Because Jesus has taken on himself the trouble of the world, even our deepest distress in this life is sanctified. It might overwhelm us, but it does not overwhelm God. And finally, because Jesus allowed himself to be submerged, plunged to the depths of death itself, our death will not be our end because his cross creates for us the bridge from this life to the next. So why dost thou shrink from the crossing? Thinkest thou still of delay? Grapes all abounding is waiting. Cross over Jordan today. Peace for our guilty consciences. Rest from our self-righteous works. Confidence even in the midst of suffering. And hope as we face our deaths. These are all ours in Jesus our Lord. And for this we can say, thanks be to God.